Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. In every episode, we do a brief episode overview followed by a three-word episode review. Uh, Then we analyze what happened on the pitch, off the pitch, and the main theme of the episode. So we'll follow this with a little bit of pub trivia and finally crown a winner-winner football dinner of the episode. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. All right. I love crowd participation, gentlemen. Uh, Lasso, episode three, uh, aptly titled Trent Krim, the Independent. We go on a journey with Trent Krim in this episode, and it does not disappoint as he essentially uncovers what makes Ted, Ted. Again, Nick, we've always talked about the authenticity of the show. The Independent is a real newspaper. Trent Krim coming to the club to do an article invited by the club is a real thing. The authenticity is flowing here. Yeah, it's it's we're we're getting a, a little bit of proxy, right? You know, we we've seen the world through Ted's eyes mostly uh, the first couple of episodes, and so this is more of a of a journey with someone else to uncover, you know, all of the different little you know tweaks and, and nuances that make uh, make Ted who he is, and, and Trent's our our storyteller. In that regard, so it's kind of a, a different approach to uh, an episode than we than we've seen to this point. Keeping us on our toes, Dan. Uh, look for those that don't know about our other podcast. We do. We love a three word episode review, don't we, Dan? Set the stage. I went with independent over sun <laughs> because there are different levels to the types of papers, or some would call them tabloids or rags that you see over in Britain in the UK and. Look, Independent is going to always be probably looked at a little bit more fondly than The Sun, which is uh, just above National Enquirer levels, if for a <laughs> U.S. equivalent. They got the juice. They got the spice. Um, on this one, I actually put spicy chicken curry. It was kind of like the moment it all clicked. Also, having been there, I know what Ted felt like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is my tongue still in my mouth? Oh, man, I can't wait to go back and have some more. You sure you didn't get some lamb or something? Like, I don't know. I feel like you would get a way Could more authentic to, to be fair, this is my three-word episode review. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, anyways, fair? Fair? Nick, over to you. I went with mild chicken curry. No, I'm kidding. Um, I went with cloak and dagger. Um, this is a uh, it's a fun episode uh, because there's kind of some twists and turns along the way, and uh, you know it, it becomes clear that uh, Ted is not just some goofball who's had a lot of luck to get where he's uh, get where he's going. So uh, yeah, you get to see a little bit of his strategy uh, in in the uh, in motion, I should say. Yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, as you all know, we like to kick it off with a little bit of on the pitch, aka the football stuff. So while there wasn't a lot in this episode, it still happened. Uh, Ted and Beard talk tactics, and then Nate the Great creates a new play uh, like this to the the, the out of bounds play. You get Coach to write it up on the uh, the whiteboard at a timeout, and then this time it uses Jamie as a decoy. The play is used to perfection in practice. And Ted Beard gave Nate some well-earned confidence by listening to his ideas. The hilarious quote, Dan, which, uh, um, you know, they, they're so witty and they catch me off guard with these things. Yeah, when you take a look at what he had to say there, I'm sorry, Nate, I have a hard time hearing people who don't believe in themselves. And he, you know, did the body cues, too. He made sure they pointed to the ear to let him know that he just needed a 
need to tune it up just a little bit there to get that confidence, that Mighty Mouse, to come out from the inner chest cavity, the diaphragm region. It really need to start projecting a little bit more, Nick. Yeah, I mean, this this is a guy who's, uh, I think, you, the, the context is he's never had a boss that's believed in him, right? And has been really timid, just basically has tried to not make mistakes uh, more than try and do really good work. And, uh, and so this is a change for him. You know, I think we probably all remember our first boss who really took an interest in us and helped us along the way. And so this is a, it's kind of a cool moment just from like a workplace comedy perspective to, to see someone be able to like step out of their shell a little bit and go, Oh yeah, it's not bad over here. Yeah, for sure. Again, I think the EQ on Ted, right, is is where he is dialed in on a lot of these things. And and to address it head on, you know, to say, hey, I can't hear people have low self-confidence being like, I, I know exactly how you're acting, what you're saying, like, bring it to me. I think that's also, again, really spot on from him. Um, you can see the team start to gel a little bit, like I said, from what we do see uh, on the pitch. But a lot of players are still bullying Nate in the locker room. Roy tries to get Ted uh, as manager is Gaffer to stop the bullying. But again, Ted dropping the knowledge bomb says that Roy uh, needs to step in as a leader to do something out of it. Uh, but he doesn't use his words to do it, I guess, Nick, which is kind of the the um, the the genius behind it. Yeah. Beard, Beard asks him, why are you winding him, Roy, up? And Ted said, he's the one coach. If we're going to make an impact here, the first domino that needs to fall is right inside that man's heart. So we're two episodes in, starting episode three, and Ted has identified who he needs to win over, Dan, to begin this transformation, right? I mean, the, you know, the, the team, the club, the broader atmosphere around the club, it all feels a little broken. And so he's, I think, looking at a very like solvable puzzle, right? Let's take one piece at a time. It's typical that the captain would be the leader both on and off the pitch, and you're seeing a aging veteran in the twilight of their Premier League campaign, their Premier League career, in Roy, who is seemingly decided, I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. And what Ted is really trying to do is rekindle the fire and challenge him to step up and assume the mantle that really, I mean, Captain tends to be a, a you know, elected position not a selected position and so you would imagine that this is going to get a little bit under the skin of someone who's been challenged by the uh the yankee doodle as it were to go and show that he means business yeah you know yankee doodle uh i'm, I'm sure you'll talk about it later but his uh <laughs> his imitation of ted later is, was absolutely to die for anyways Roy you know he, he's like all right you know what I'm gonna try to sort this out he doesn't appreciate it you know again he's the vet in the in the team um you know kind of brings experience and knows that really this isn't what it's all about uh you know addresses it with Jamie as he's lifting uh Jamie does Jamie and absolutely tells Ollie and Isaac he had a chance to say don't and he said keep doing it I like it and and we just see more of the same, I think, from this group. Um, you know, it, again, he's got opportunities to change trajectory, but but Jamie just doubles down, really, Nick. Jamie's Jamie. Jamie's going to be Jamie for some time, right? So, you, you w it wouldn't be a story if if you know Ted 
you know, prodded Roy a little bit. Roy talked to Jamie, and then Jamie immediately changed and did something different. I mean, the, the story has to evolve. The characters have to evolve. So, I think I think the fun part of of this episode, especially especially as we look at like the on the pitch or you know in the stadium stuff, Brandon is when uh, Ted decides to give the teams uh, little gifts and uh, not what they were expecting. Oh, absolutely not. You know, and he said, "Hey, we got gifts for everybody." I was even thinking, I'm like, "Oh, I wonder if they got like a sponsor drop or something, Dan." You know, where they, you know you know they just get something that it's, it's whatever. Yeah, something flashy for the players, uh, but the books. Uh, Jamie immediately bins his. Uh, Roy gets a wrinkle in time. Can't say I've read it. Um, he's you didn't definitely read it when you were growing up when you were younger. That that feels like a, yeah. a seminal novel of a, a child's youth. Trent, please calm down. <laughs> just just here to be honest. My point being, um, he was very confused by it, but he didn't throw it away. Showing that there's a little bit more going on upstairs than the gruff and rough exterior of Roy Kent would lead you to believe. And look, I don't know. I think a book is a phenomenal gift, personally. So I think that uh, Ted, man after my own heart in that regard. Well, we'll get to how Trent might have have helped him a little bit uh, later on in the in the script here. But um, yeah, I mean this. This one conversation with with Ted kind of sparked Roy, right? I mean, it, it really lit him up. And it basically, after we see continued bullying of Nate, after Roy had approached Jamie, after, you know, the, they're given these books and, and his is clearly about leadership. And, like, it's just Ted, Ted playing mind games and winning pretty significantly early in this episode. Uh we you know we see Nate continuing to get bullied you know after after all of this stuff and so Roy goes looking for him uh, goes looking for Jamie that is and ends up running into Keeley Brandon this is the moment in which your uh, great impression of Ted Lasso from Roy Kent comes to uh, to really signify who this character is absolutely nailed it uh, real funny exchange you know Keeley's like I can push all your buttons he's like no I can't he talks about you know I don't have to be your your boyfriend's you know minder have to take care of him um and, and it was just really really funny you know two 30 some year olds uh having a, a go back and forth in a fun way and and it was great you know and and she killed her impression of him obviously oh yeah uh, you know totally yeah even at the end like the r <laughs> she she just was like exactly how we wanted it um, but yeah, Dan, it was fun. It was just seeing these two characters go back and forth. You know, obviously he was in a vulnerable spot, you know, half dressed, um, really looking to, to have a man to man exchange. And he got the opposite of a man to man exchange. Well, he got to speak to someone who is more his peer in the sense of where they are in their careers and, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe both, uh, you know, either exiting struggling relationships in terms of the, I don't need, I don't need both a phone and a watch. It's the best line. It's the best line of the whole episode. It's so good. He said it so flippantly too. I don't need both a phone and a watch. <laughs> uh, because I mean, like, look, they, they, they are, you know, I mean, you know, Jamie's clearly younger and cares about different things. Clearly, Keeley cares about different things, though, as well. And so that seems to have some, you know, friction there. But Roy seems to respect her 
you know, for the way that she carries herself and the way that she is a straight shooter the same way that he is, Nick. And so I, I think, you know, I, I, I look forward to seeing how this kind of continued part of the, you know, the, the, maybe the true part of our love triangle develops. Hmm. We get to see not that much Akili in these first few episodes, but what we do see is like, a fearless person who's been around this locker room for a long time, right? Like she's not flustered by any of these guys, not even the growliest of, of growly people in Roy. So she gives it just as good as she gets. It's, it's fun. It's a, it's a good little exchange. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that really perch is going to wrap up, you know, the on, on the pitch. So we're going to take a break. Um, we get back, maneuvering all the way to off the pitch, the workplace stuff, because there was a lot. So thank you to the sponsors for Financial Sporting Show. We'll be right back. All right, as promised, off the pitch, Rebecca starts the episode by getting upset that the paparazzi photos aren't yet in the sun. The uh, gossipy newspaper, as Dan had alluded to, she is upset. She quickly throws down the newspaper, leafs through it, it does not find what she wants um, and uh, calls <laughs> her her head of football operations director to da, see da, da, what da, da, had da. happened. Good thing da, he was da, in the da, office, da, huh? Da, da, da. Uh, look, he was inventing work from home before work from home was a thing. <laughs> He's an innovator, Dan. He always has been. Uh, visionary. You know, that, that, that's really what you're looking for in your director of football operations. I think, you know, when you when you pull up the printed version of TMZ to find out it doesn't carry the story that you helped to set up, stage, produce and distribute, I could understand being upset. And Higgins, rightfully so, gets a little bit of a look from one of his children that, oh, shit, you're in trouble. <laughs> look, that's great, too. It's just a great little, you know. You're not rooting for Rebecca, so you you enjoy the fact that her plans are going uh, you know awry, and then you get to see you know the the fact that you know there is that you know what what how Keeley responds to getting informed about it because that's the reason Nick that the story just doesn't make it into the paper. Yeah, there's there's an inside person in 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 the Sun who lets Keeley know that it's happening and and basically agrees to hold for like 24 hours. And so, you know, Brandon, we see her uh, go up to Ted kind of flustered and freaked out. And she's like, oh, well, this is a really bad situation. And then, of course, we, we get to see, I think, the start of where her character really ends up being, which is this funny, rhyming, just adorable, but like feisty. Like there's so many things in here that... You start to figure out with this character, and, and she starts it by doing uh, quite the little n number on Ted from a rhyming perspective. Right, and obviously her creative strengths will you know blossom throughout this. Um, she rewrote the the headline because she, she's essentially like, if this drops tomorrow, it's going to be like, Jamie's tart breaks Tart's heart, which Ted is like, wait, did you just come up with that? And he goes, everyone <laughs> would read that. And she's like, of course they would. You have no idea the power of rhyming in this goddamn country. Lasso makes Paso and creates Team Fiasco. Ted, Keeley's got bars. And then she wraps <laughs> it up. Yeah, I'm cute as a button and I can rhyme my ass off. God, it's no wonder they want to destroy me, end quote. <laughs> I love that. God, it's no wonder they want to destroy me is so good. So this is like, this is catnip for Ted. This is all, like, if, if he could just have these conversations all day, that's what he would do. 
He loves this stuff. Well, and then you get the fact that they find out in terms of Rebecca that Keeley knows, and it sets up the whole scenario of Trent, who we have met at this point now, who is like, is this a fucking joke? If we remember that moment. Um, the person who has the confidence to stand up in an entire press room and ask the question so bluntly now is going to get the opportunity to spend a day with Coach Ted Lasso. And, I mean, I think this, to me, Brandon, is super interesting because, again, this is these type of profiles are given to media. And they're usually meant to frame a narrative, hopefully in a very positive light. You know, so you'd imagine a PR handler, someone who would be around very structured engagements to ensure you have put the story together exactly how you want it to come across. And Trent just rolls up to the training ground and gets the start. There's no media handler. There's no preparation. There's no, hey, here's the things you can or can't say, Coach Lasso. It's just like, yeah, let's set him up to fall flat on his face. Yeah, very much usually controlled by the club, a narrative. Um, the one thing they did do is that school event, obviously, to like help. But to your point, this is very much a sink or swim for Ted. And, you know, just the way he is, he's unfiltered and maybe a bit oblivious at times and probably doesn't realize that there was like a PR angle. He was just like, no, I'm literally just going to go do what I always do. I'm going to say what I always say. And, you know, Trent is a journalist. Absolutely. Uh, laps it up as he should. That's why he's the perfect foil for this yeah. sort of thing, though, right? Rebecca set a trap, and Ted simply just walked around it by being who he is. And so I think it's it's within this like context that Trent shows up, has no idea what to expect, because this is not a typical manager who would give the typical stage responses or have the typical, you know, as Dan mentioned, like media handler. It's just Ted. And Trent has to be the one to think on his feet because he doesn't know where Ted's going to go next. And so the whole thing kind of becomes a lesson in how Ted is a manager of, of people. And that's pretty fascinating. I think, Brandon, when you look at the way that he's handled Nate, right? You know, we, we mentioned Nate believing in himself earlier, but he gives Nate the credit immediately, right? For for drawing up this play that looks like it's going to work for, for Richmond, uh, after they've struggled scoring goals or whatever. And it's it's that he can work well with anybody, that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, and he wants to be a responsible manager that way. It's, it's cool. Right. You know, they're on the pitch, and like I said, um, you know, he's, he's very open that he's happy to take ideas from anyone, where normally you wouldn't want to say that, especially with Nate. He's still kind of the kit man. Uh, you know, he's in operations. It's not like he's really... Not conventional on, on on the coaching staff, which I you know Trent you know zeroes in on, um, but then he also sees Ted being tough on Jamie, you know, with the whole decoy uh, run, um, you know, so that to open up space on the on the on the backside, and obviously Roy still completely enjoying it because he him and Jamie, it's the the battle of ages, right? Young versus old super talented versus worked hard to win things, you know, but maybe past his prime. So it's literally, uh, you know, a chance for Roy to stick it in on Jamie. And uh, he he does, without a doubt. Stepbrothers-esque, one might even say. Dan, Dan liked this one, so I'll let him handle it. He's 
I think Dan, you're probably a bigger Step Brothers fan than I am. I mean, look, there's uh, so much room for activities in this part of the script <laughs> and, and, and in that moment. Uh, I mean, like, it's like, you know, hey, right here, right here. The ball goes right here. It's like, Doing this. <laughs> it's it's uh, beautiful. No, it, it was it was good to see that Roy is finding a way to turn the knife a little bit and just really or you know turn the screw maybe is the nicer way to say it on jamie just a little bit in that moment where he's getting asked like well i'm not gonna be the dummy that's a that's dumb why would i do that i'm you know look i'm the best player of the team i'm the goal scorer you you should rely on me you should win with me you shouldn't be trying to set up this other person you know just let me go do my thing and even though he's being challenged by the coach to go try something new and doesn't want to do it roy's willing to say yeah i'm just going to take the contrarian uh, to you and basically find any way I can to really make it difficult for you. It's where sports and art combine, Brandon, you know, that's that, that is indeed. Um, let's see here. Um, all right. Well, obviously after that, they go to, to Ted's office, right? Trent is looking for something, right? All he has to do is move one piece of paper or, you know, move one photo and he might find what he's looking for. Uh, but, you know, again, Ted Open Book shares that he and Roy are going to Richmond Primary School to celebrate their championship season. And um, it's funny because Trent goes, of course you are. The day that I happen to be here, you have a public community event. Um, and then we get the quote about uh, coincidence, Nick, which, I mean, again, like the writing is so good in this. Um, and just the way they they built Ted's character is it just it uh, draws yeah. you in. Yeah, it's the thing about coincidence is, is sometimes they just happen. Um, and it's again, it's Trent in that old school British, like guarded media environment, right? He's he's in this thing still. He still hasn't reacted to the whatever the hell Ted is uh, appropriately. And Ted is simply just saying, like, I mean, you can come or not, but this is where we're going. And, you know, this pre is set up and then we find out the reason why they're going to this school really is because Roy's niece goes there. Right. And we get to meet Phoebe for the first time. And this opens up, Dan, a whole different lens to what we think about Roy, who, you know, has up to this point only been this uh, boxer. Right. He's only been this like tough guy. Uh, but but then we get to see that he's. He's kind of a pseudo parent to his niece. It's it's an interesting little layer. Well, who wouldn't want to take their Premier League winning uncle to the bring a father figure or parental figure to work day experience to get to show off and Phoebe very happy to do so to the point of causing a little bit of a bloody nose incident for one <laughs> Ted Lasso as he takes his opportunity to do headers and really just takes a ball directly to the face. And uh, for anyone who has not had that experience before, it, it hurts. It stings. Uh, you know, good on Ted Lasso to still be smiling after that, Brandon. Yeah, I, for sure. As a goalkeeper, been there, done that. No fun, no bueno. Um Again, it's just like the calamity to her, right? You just can't avoid it as well. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, you know, go outside, 
let uh, let Roy do his thing. Um, but like it obviously it wears on him. Like Roy and Ted. I mean, could there be two more opposite people? You know, in the world, Nick. Oil and water, man. Yeah, you know? hard, hard guy, hard man. You know, put in a tackle versus Ted, who'd talk about his feelings and and just you know the charm offensive failed. It like it pushed him away. Which is, I mean, you saw coming. You know, he's Ted started. I think said uh, that Phoebe was like a cutie patootie, and Roy just lost his mind. <laughs> and he basically said, "Enough. I've had it with your mind games and your stupid gifts. I mean, what even is a wrinkle in time?" And then Trent kind of out of frame steps in and goes it's a lovely novel it's a story of a young girl's struggle with the burden of leadership as she journeys through space and ted's like yeah that's it and roy asked the the perfect question this moment am i supposed to be the little girl and ted says i'd like you to be which is such a nice like <laughs> nice little thing but he has trent backing him up who has obviously read the thing and then uh, roy kind of ends this scene takes phoebe away by saying right None of this matters because I'm just doing what everyone in this town is doing. I'm counting down the days until you're gone. Trent, you're a colossal prick. You always have been. So he really gets one in on, on Trent there at the end, too. But this is, you know, it, it was like the he did everything he could, but he just finally blew his top. Dan, uh, Roy, Roy was not taken to this at all. No, he didn't want to assume the role of Meg Murray in this moment, uh, the the main character from A Wrinkle in Time for uh, for Brandon's benefit there. There you go, Brandon. Um, <laughs> but he does end up reading the book. He reads it to Phoebe, so we see more of that parental involvement and the epiphany moment comes in that setting when he has the space. Where he's not being pushed to do right. something out of bounds for him. That's the difference. When he's getting a chance to spend the time with Phoebe, to be in this safe space with her and reading this book with her versus being pushed by Ted out of the bounds of his comfort in that moment. He doesn't want to be exposed that way in front of somebody else. He wants to really absorb it on his own pace and speed. And I think that's the the really cool thing is you see this episode, how he's he is malleable in a way that other players on the team are not showing themselves to be. And, you know, effectively Brandon being open more so than he would imagine or let himself maybe explain to Ted's influence. For sure. Yeah. And obviously he's in the bed. What is he? <laughs> he'll swear word, gets in trouble with Phoebe, uh, abruptly gets up, leaves in his Team issued track top, <laughs> rolls into the club where Jamie and the boys are at. Uh, headbutts, was it Connor? Yeah. Uh, or I, I, yeah, it was Connor. It was Connor. Yeah. So, you know, after he was like, what is this, a retirement party? <laughs> Smash. <laughs> um, and and just goes off on Jamie and really draws that line in the sand of, of what his expectations are, what, you know, Jamie will or will not be doing moving forward. And then again takes a sip of the the mixed drink. He goes, what is this, vanilla vodka? You're a child. <laughs> so good. <laughs> really emasculates Jamie, and rightly so, uh, to which Keeley uh, <laughs> uh, took kindly to, I believe. Yeah, it was like a, it was a little flirty moment, you know? It was just like, oh, that's what a, that's what a real man looks like, not a tiny child. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, kind of fascinating the way that worked. Uh, and I think, again... 
Dan Dan made the great point. It has to be Roy's idea for Roy to do it, right? All Ted did was plant a seed and pour some water on it and just watch mm-hmm. watch it bloom. Yeah. But then they go to uh, back to Ted and Trent, goes back to them. Uh, they're in an Indian restaurant. Again, local family-owned establishment, which is important to the story here. Uh, we see that Ted is willing to try new things, even though he feels the heat from the spicy food. He also espouses his beliefs on coaching and leadership to Trent, which clearly has an impact on Trent's POV of Ted. Um, you know, again, Dan, like, puts himself in the community, uh, puts himself out there, very open, intimate, one-on-one conversation with Trent. And it's not about Ted. It's not about what Ted does. He he opens it up with, Trent, what do you love? Is it writing? And it just takes off from there. Well, before that, though, you get two interesting moments in the restaurant. You get the fact that Trent snaps the pompadoms in half and goes, let the battle commence. So he's still viewing this as a adversarial type of experience, even after getting to peek into Ted's mind throughout the day and the way that he's approaching things. And Ted's charm offensive, Ted's just who he is, shines again when you see the son who's the owner you know the son's owner of the restaurant who also drives a cab who let ted know about the restaurant said i I can't believe you've actually like come you're the first person who's taken a ride in my car who's actually made the attempt to to come with me and so like he's getting to see you know it's a really hard front to keep up from trent's side that like you you're getting broken down it's just it's waves against the rocks and it takes time, Nick, versus it's not it's not an immediate win over with Trent. It is because the slow erosion is what's occurring. I mean, but he, he really gets into I think this is where he throws Trent. Right. I mean, Trent had a pretty clear objective rolling in here to write a dagger piece, you know, as we kind of established earlier. Uh, to set the supporters off and to build pressure so that Ted gets fired and then, you know, you know, Rebecca gets her way, the season collapses and, and you know, all that sort of stuff feeds into the narrative. But Ted hits him with a right hook out of nowhere. Do you love writing? Yes. Well, you're darn good at it. Thank you. Right? So charm, charm, charm. Uh, me, I love coaching. Now, I'm going to say this again just so you didn't think it was a mistake the first time I said it. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellows be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. And it ain't always easy, Trent, but neither is growing up without someone believing in you. And this is the, I think, the the big moment for Trent to go, oh, like, <laughs> I'm not dealing with an unserious person here. He, he, may, he may be goofy, but his methods are intended to be really positive impacts on his players, Brandon. And I don't know if you've ever had a coach or, or a mentor like that, but that's a that's a heavy burden for someone to own as, as a manager, a boss, a mentor, whatever. And Ted wants it. He, he enjoys this. This is what he's been called to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you can see that in just his actions, right, and his words that – he probably isn't really worried about the wins and losses, maybe to a fault, maybe to a problem. Um, but his success came from getting the most out of the players because they believed in themselves when he was at, you know, Wichita State, I guess, was the example used 
uh, right away. Th- that's the juxtaposition, though. They went 13-0 and won the national championship in that fake <laughs> football season that the show set up, right? So for Ted to say he's not worried about wins and losses when they clearly haven't been great so far in his tenure is because he knows that his methods work, and when they work, it can lead to really great results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Anyways, uh, Trent, uh, got to go, deadlines and all that. And then, of course, Ted's fed more food, which he can't really get. Uh, ironically, it's because he's American, so he needs to eat a lot. So <laughs> plus one for the Americans. <laughs> hey, man, when you're, o- when you're over there and they keep bringing food, you keep eating it. That is, that is the to, way it to goes. To be fair, we have had similar experiences going to Indian restaurants in London and asking for food to just be delivered out and you you do get some control typically on the spice level when you are willing to voice that concern but uh, maybe we're a little more direct than one ted lasso yeah i suppose uh all right well next up is uh keely and rebecca uh tend to start their friendship a little bit surprisingly you know um you know obviously rebecca trying to use keely as a pawn earlier um but rebecca or keely just comes to her and was like confesses she was absolutely terrified of Rebecca but she doesn't want to be afraid anymore we see a little bit of fun you know start to blossom between the two uh I think they realize I I think Rebecca likes the admiration that Keely has for which helps kind of bring down the guard uh Rebecca even lets slip that there was a compromising photo taken by the press after her and Rupert's divorce Keely swoons over the photo hilarious put it to put it lightly, I yeah. Mean, my God, she's like, I feel like a teenage boy. I can't stop staring. <laughs> um, and and you know, she ends up giving Rebecca cactus as a gift, and it, and it's just so funny the back and forth right there. And like I said, I think she really like dismantles any defenses that uh, Rebecca has. Dan Keeley really gets in and just kind of you know opens up and just kills her with honesty, which I think Rebecca's pretty surprised to get. Well, and it, you know, it's uh, it kicks the the shoes off. You know, feet on the couch type of moment. The, uh, <laughs> I feel like a, a a young boy. I can't stop looking at him type of moment. And uh, I don't know. It's just a, a very nice conversation and the way that they bond over the treatment of themselves and and you know women within you know media across these tabloids um, it is kind of an interesting way for them to find. A commonality with each other where Rebecca seemingly didn't have a desire to have that conversation at the beginning that she's warmed up to it at the end. Nick, and ultimately there's there's something blossoming there. Keely and Ted are very similar in this episode, right? They both are unconventionally positive and kind in this weird environment that they're in. And they just obliterate the conventional expectation of who they are as people. Uh, and you know, again, like Ted, Ted's only lasted in that office for like seconds at a time to this point before Rebecca kicks him out. Right. Higgins very much the same. Like Rebecca, that's like her safe space. And Keely just kind of kicks down the door. Brandon did comes back and says, I don't I don't give a shit. I'm giving you a cactus and we're going to talk and we're going to gossip a little bit. And, you know, sometimes that's what you need to do with someone who is tall and prickly. Absolutely. It seems like it worked. Uh, but then the episode ends with Higgins reading Rebecca an advance on Trent's his piece. Um, the you know it kind of ran through some stuff. The title title was Wayward Ted. 
some of the quotes are whatever you think of Ted Lasso as a football coach, I assure you the truth is harder to swallow, aka whatever you think is going on, it's actually worse. So it's way worse. Except yeah. what you're getting. <laughs> uh, and swallow you must because Ted is out there in the community, either bravely or stupidly facing the music. And that's when they cut to him, you know, kind of walking home from the dinner and having a couple interactions, one with a kid from the school, and then kind of those three fans that are always in the pub watching the game. Uh, and he gets two very different uh, approaches right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's gr- this is one of my favorite sequences in the entire show because you get the voiceover and then you get all of the scenes that kind of paint this thing happening, right? And it's all about how Ted has begun to have an impact, right? And and this was not, Dan, I think the piece that Trent Krim of The Independent was hoping to write. I think that he had no choice after meeting with Ted, after seeing who he was, to write anything slanderous about the guy because, yeah, he could doubt the results on the field, but he can't doubt the man, essentially. And yes, he's in over his head. He insisted twice that he doesn't care if Richmond won or lost. But if the, if the last away is wrong, it's hard to imagine being right. In a business that celebrates egos, Ted reigns his in. His coaching style is subtle and never hits you over the head. Well, that means allowing his followers to become leaders or in a show of respect, eating food so spicy, it's sure to wreak havoc, massive havoc on his intestinal system, which is the running up to his yeah. his flat as quick as possible to uh, release some... Release some food yeah. from, an, uh, from an orifice. Which one? We don't know. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think the close of this is really good, right, Brandon? Because it, it paints Rebecca into a corner, right? She's done this. She's she's the one that has set this whole thing up and was expecting Trent to come with the hammer at the end, right? And he he does, but in a way that is unexpected. And it was even funny because Higgins was like, now, these are not my words. Yeah, he's very <laughs> Do not clear. blame me. Don't shoot the like, messenger. Yeah. And though I believe Ted Lasso will fail here and Richmond will suffer the embarrassment of relegation, I won't gloat when it happens because I can't help but root for him. And Rebecca just goes, fuck. End scene. Because, yeah, and that's it. And it's a it's a fascinating look to me at, like, how a plan can fail so miserably. Like, she took the hardest reporter... She put him up against Ted, and he came away liking him. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely the opposite of what she was hoping. But again, like another plan foiled. You know, the the more people get around him, he's starting to get a grasp on. Uh, you know, like we said, she's um, almighty. Uh, he's starting to get a grasp on Roy. Um, he's starting to you know uh, manipulate some things. Obviously, working with Nate. Uh, working Jamie over in a few different ways, uh, giving Sam Obisanya a chance, kind of setting his expectations, and it's starting to grab in a few places, which I think is really interesting. So, uh, again, that's off the pitch. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, it is the main theme, uh, the Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia, and any surprises before Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, so um, as we kind of walked you through everything, um, how we had it shake out, it was the main theme. It was starting to strut. So despite all the newness and obstacles, some placed in front of Ted intentionally, as we talked about, it's clear that uh, 
Ted and his methods are starting to take effect at Richmond is that's what I was kind of trying to lay out there, Dan, at the end, you know, what he's trying to make the players the best version of themselves, including chipping the ice off the old Roy's heart. Um, he's trying to give his staff confidence to help make key decisions. He knows it's not just about him. He may be the sun in this universe, but like it is all interconnected. And essentially he draws off of what they do. Different types of growth. We witness the personal growth. We see experience relationship growth between certain individuals, whether it's Ted and Keeley or Ted and Roy or Roy and Keeley in this episode, the emotional growth of being able to tap into what are the things that drive you or kind of the professional growth and Nate getting an opportunity to get his play tested or just even the, the challenge of discovery where you have a conception and it's proven to be wrong like Trent. And so I think in general, Nick, there's just a whole lot of learning that occurs in this episode between all the different main figures and even some of those on the periphery. Yeah, the, the, the reason I called this starting to strut is because of the, the scene with Nate, right? When they, when they build Nate's confidence up and then they leave and they're all kind of strutting out to the field and having fun. And that's that's Ted. Uh, that's who he is. And despite all these, he's strutting around obstacles like he's doing it his way. It's interesting to see it. But he's he loves winning people over like the, again, like of all the things he's called to do. It's like build relationships, win critics over and and help develop people. And, uh, you know, whether Rebecca knows it or not, Brandon, she is going to fall victim to this offensive. She she believes in, in her own head that uh, she has set all these different traps, not knowing that Ted has set the biggest trap of all on the other side. And it's it's kind of funny to, to see this all happen uh, in, in, in kind of a structured way through through doing this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the uh, the the tracks have been laid on on by a lot of people. So again, they're all going down in the, this path, and we're going to see a lot of convergences continue to happen. Uh, the Crowded Acre pub trivia, weird questions, observations, always a, a fan favorite part of this um, because I think it really catches people off guard, Nick, uh, what you've come up with. They're subtle, uh, but they usually are a lot more impactful. And people, again, go rewatch this series. This is not a one-time through and done. You have no. to watch it a couple times to really – catch the nuance and the best way to understand that is with the crown and anchor pub trivia well if if the if folks were paying attention you guys did a couple of spoilers of these questions today so there you go uh you, you might have had Context a couple freebies matter yep hit us up on twitter let us know what, what you what, what you saw uh what gift does keely give rebecca for helping to uh and i say helping in quotes to cancel the photos being released of, of her and ted uh second question where have we seen the waiter in the Indian restaurant before? Uh, that is a tie back to episode one. Uh, three, a more challenging question. Uh, and we only see it for a brief second, so you really have to pay attention. What book does Jamie throw away? The book that he got from Ted as a, as a gift. Book. Yep, it is. It's a very good book. And what is the, and finally, the last question is, what is Nathan's last name? We had a whole dust-up scene between Roy and Keeley about this. So uh, let us know your answers. Hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email. We, we'd love to chat about it. Yeah, very, very good, especially, again, Keeley pushing buttons. Um, any surprises from this episode? Uh, I think, you know, from, from my perspective, 
um, the, the, the Trek Krim, uh, I think deeper look in kind of perspective was, was a surprise. I didn't think that he would, um, you know, really kind of get a spotlight in, in the show, you know, or maybe bigger than the first episode at the presser, but it was good to see. And again, like the authenticity going through on this one, um, it was a pleasant surprise, I guess, from my perspective. But anything from from you, Dan? I don't know if there were surprises. Maybe the fact the the I mean the book choices were fun. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that was fun to see the books that Ted selected. I would have liked to have seen more. Um, just as we continue to learn more about these characters, I'm sure it'd be fun to know how that book harkens back to where Ted saw them in that moment and where they ended up growing to throughout the episode because growth feels like it's going to be a consistent part of everyone's journey on this show which is typical of uh you know i mean bill lawrence's involvement in in scrubs Mm -hmm. and other things very clearly some of those same things for like jd's character are coming through in the way that like these characters are being challenged to learn and grow like even in a short comedic episodic element nick yeah i I think the only surprise i had would be like that there would be a culture of bullying in a Premier League football club. I don't know. I think that's like weird, uh, you know, place to start with Nate. But the fact that they show them trying to address it um, and it and it gets addressed as we head into the next episode pretty clearly uh, with the headbutt uh, <laughs> that, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting piece. But other, otherwise, I just I love I love the three-dimensional chess that Ted is playing in this episode. It is, it's really fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about winner, winner, football dinner, a.k.a. who won the episode? I have a proposal. Dan and I are each going to pitch our winners to you, Brandon, and then you will, you will make a determination <laughs> as to where you want to go. Dan, would you like to present your, uh, your choice first? So I'm going to go with Roy. Okay. Roy is the winner of this episode, and it's for three reasons. It's the humility to accept education, to accept improving himself for the benefit of not just himself, but others. So it's the, the willingness to not you know, to sacrifice, to grow and to expand and to explore and to rise up to the challenge thrown in front of him. It, he get, you get to see that both in the way that he stands up. For others so that you know kind of not just learning but standing up for others because of that so it's a byproduct of that behavior and going into the club even though his eyes don't see as well at night is <laughs> uh uh he's willing to kind of make that make that case for someone and kind of rise to that challenge there and then you know you get to see the humorous side of him as well and his humor is flat you know he doesn't have as many quippy one-liners but his willingness to say <laughs> I'm going to re-rank the order of my priorities for comedic elements because that shit was hilarious. Uh, I just, yeah, he's got great interactions with basically everybody in the episode and has, I would say, the most growth. I think your character sets a good foundation for, you know, maybe just a general A plot. But I think this B plot really won the episode. All right. All right. Well organized. Uh my my winner is Ted. He's the clear winner of the episode. He dominates in every facility that, that he's a part of. Uh, he sets Jamie straight. He empowers his staff. He uh, wins the press battle. He uh, instills a charm offensive. He gets Roy to do the things that Roy ends up doing. Uh, and generally, I think his 
his speech about people growing up without someone believing in them hits home. I mean, I think it, it really connects and, and is the knockout blow in this fight. I mean, good arguments. It also is like, does the, and I don't mean this obviously in any rude ways, but it's like the puppet or the master in this part, Dan, because Roy kind of gets played by Ted. Now he has to open up and accept it, but I don't think without Ted's intervention, he he goes on that journey. Look, you know, sometimes it's about the assist or the goal. Truth. And, uh, <laughs> well, I think Ted had a good assist. You know, that goal kind of came out of nowhere. So, I mean, that's really the thing. You know, what was the XG that we would have had or the expected growth that Roy would have had in this episode? Oh, no. oh, Come on. No. Come no. on. That is totally Roy you, putting you it can't. across the line. <laughs> incredible impersonation by credible. Oh. I mean, awful of Ted. Just again, it's, it. it's Roy. It's hands down. Roy He has the funniest line, in the entire episode, and he has the most growth. It's Roy. It's done. Put it in the books. Give him the running <laughs> no. tally. Let's go. Get out of here. Expected growth. Fortunately for you, it uh, looks like the, the <laughs> name has already been etched on the trophy at the bottom of the episode. So it will go to Ted. So we don't have to make any edits. <laughs> Wow. W way to commit there, Brandon. <laughs> really strong stuff from you. Well, there was already a misprint, so we're going to run you with know, it. You uh, know, I gave my verdict. I didn't really feel the need to listen to Dan's rebuttal, but we got it. So, you know, you're welcome, <laughs> I guess. All right. That's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>